0: Hi there, I'm Travis, and this is the Wise That Podcast. To race to you. Welcome back to the Wise That Podcast. I'm so excited that you have joined me today on Sunday, November 18th, 2018. Way back in episode 1, we discussed how November comes from the name of the ninth month of the ancient Roman calendar, and in a couple months, we'll likely discuss that 2018 piece. The length of a month comes from the traditional concept that measured the cycle of the moon phases. This is called the synodic month and lasts approximately 29.53 days. In fact, the word month and the word moon are cognates with a common etymological origin. While our calendar is today based on the solar year, The original month was built around a lunar one, and the 18th would have been how many days into that moon phase we currently are. That final piece, Sunday, is what we'll talk about today, specifically why each day of the week is named as it is. As I started writing this episode, I debated which day of the week I should begin with and which I should end. However, as I researched the days of the week, I found that their origins were almost all linked to a single concept. So i decided to explain this concept before we get into the exact days of the week. First, we should briefly touch on the English language. Today, it is the most widely spoken language in the world, as it is the lingua franca of international business and overwhelmingly the most common second language in the world. And of the 7.5 billion people who inhabit this world, a full 1.5 billion of them, or 20%, speak English. The fact that if you gathered the entire world population into a single room and one in five of them would be able to speak English is an absolutely astounding fact to me, especially considering that it is a fairly young language as the great vowel shift that transitioned the language from Middle English to Modern English only just completed somewhere around 1550. In 500 years, it went from a fairly localized language in England to dominating the world. Linguists are able to trace the development of English back through what we call language families. The current language is English, but its ancestors are first Anglic, then Anglo-Frisian, then West Germanic, then Germanic, and finally to Indo-European. Indo-European is the oldest ancestor that we can confidently trace our lineage, and today its various descendants are spoken as a first language by 42% of the human populace, which makes it by far the largest language family in the world. However, we are not going to discuss it any further today. That would be going back too far. Instead, we are taking the step to our next oldest ancestor, the Germanic. The oldest Germanic language is called Proto-Germanic and was spoken in Iron Age Scandinavia from the 1st millennium BCE. Germanic tribes who spoke that language, or its descendants, started moving south to the areas we would today call Northern Germany and Southern Denmark sometime around the 2nd century BCE. Typically, these movements would be stopped by the time the migrating people hit the Rhine or the Danube rivers. It is in these 2nd century migrations that the German tribes first appear in the historic record from the Roman perspective. Conflict eventually erupted between the two groups of people as the German people migrated. They happened to find themselves on Roman land, and as you might expect, the Romans were not best pleased by this occurrence. The conflicts are collectively known as the Germanic Wars and began with the Cimbrian War in 113 BCE, and lasted all the way into the Byzantine Empire era. However, since the German people were never a single united peoples, these Germanic wars were more of a series of only loosely related battles and wars that are just lumped together for historical convenience rather than actual long-term historic connection. In the early period of the Germanic Wars, the contact between the German and Roman people was fairly minimal and did not become more regular until after the ascension of the Emperor Augustus. The Imperial Empire under Augustus put forward a concerted effort to expand the Empire, and Germany was one of the areas in the Empire's crosshairs. While we will not go into it, the Battle of the Teutoburg Forest in 9 CE is within this time period. Sadly or happily, depending on which side of the border you resided, the Romans were unable to ever conquer the Germans, and a border was set up between the two peoples. Once this border was set up, continual contact occurred between the two groups of people from that point forward, sometimes in adversarial roles, sometimes as trading partners, and sometimes as allies or employers. This contact, specifically in that first century of near-constant contact, is where many customs and traditions were shared among the peoples. One of the customs was timekeeping. Other customs include words and religions and a whole bunch of other stuff that we're not going to discuss today. The process in which words, customs, and traditions were transferred and translated from Latin into German is called Interpretatio Germanica, or Germanic interpretation. Basically, what happened is the Romans told the Germans about the way they did things, and then those Germans told other Germans, and those other Germans continued to spread it until eventually all the Germans knew it. The problem with that is. Well, have you ever played telephone? What about bilingual telephone when only half of the people speak both languages? Sounds difficult, right? If I were to start things off by saying, Sawe, quidages, it would probably be easier for you bilingual people to explain that I mean, hello, how are you? For our days of the week, it was kind of a game of bilingual telephone that resulted in our modern names. Both the Germans and Romans already had a concept of what a day was, as basically all civilizations since the dawn of humanity have used the light of the day and dark of the night to measure a day. The names of these days, though, were not set, and a week was not at all standardized either. At the time of Germanic and Roman contact, the Romans used an eight-day week, and the Romans taught the Germans the names of each of these days. We will take Monday for our first example. The Roman name for Monday was Dies Lunai. Dies means day, and Lunai means moon. Instead of a direct loanword, the Germans instead translated or interpreted the names to make them make sense within their own worldview. In English, a translation of Dies Lunai would be day of the moon or moon's day. As I said at the beginning of this episode, the word moon and the word month are cognates and therefore have the same older root word. Day also existed in an older German form, that form was "dag." The German translation and interpretation of Dies Lunae sounded something like Manendeg. As the Proto-Germanic language evolved and changed into English, Manendeg slowly shifted to "Monday" and our modern Monday. Monday then is the day of the moon, thanks to Germanic interpretation of the Old Latin name. Christian and Jewish tradition holds that Sunday is the first day of the week and Saturday is the seventh and last day of the week. The tradition originated in the book of Genesis as God created the world and universe in 7 days. This 7-day week tradition is the one that we are used to and familiar with today and many of us especially those in the United States or Canada are used to the calendars on our computers beginning with Sunday and ending on Saturday. But for those of you in the United Kingdoms and other countries in Europe My understanding is the calendars start on Monday and end on Sunday. If you live elsewhere, please tweet which day of the week your calendar starts with. I debated which day to start with, and as you may have noticed, I chose Monday. The International Organization for Standardization was founded in 1947 and sought to help standardize measurements and other details for international business and relations. In 1988, the organization decided to tackle the days of the week and issued Article ISO 8601 data elements and interchange formats, information interchange, representation of dates and times. This article stipulated that Monday was day one of the week and Sunday was day seven. Makes sense given the organization's main purpose is standardization for business and just about every business starts their work week on Monday. For the rest of us, which day is first probably mattered very little, but I had to draw an arbitrary line somewhere so I could start this episode and the ISO 8601 is where I'm going to draw that arbitrary line. That means we can move on to day two, Tuesday. In Latin, this day of the week was known as dies martis, which meant the day of Mars, or Mars Day. Interpretatio Germanica did not just literally translate each name or concept the way day of the moon stayed day of the moon, just in a different language. Interpretatio Germanica was particularly important in religion as Germans and Romans attempted to understand each other. Each group of people had their own long-standing pantheons of gods who they themselves worshipped. The two groups worked together to draw comparisons between their gods and find each god's counterpart. The Roman god Mars was equated and identified with the German god Tiwaz. We know that Mars was the Roman god of war and agriculture and that the god lent his name to the planet. Unfortunately, we do not know much about the Germanic god Tiwaz. Whether the comparison between Mars and Tiwaz was made because Tiwaz was also the god of war, or also had the same planet named after him, is completely unknown, but we just know that Tiwaz was the choice for the counterpart. Tiwaz is also known as Tu, T-I-W in Old English, or Ter in Old Norse. Dies Martis, or Mars Day, then was interpreted as Tuzdeg. The long transition from German to English then finalized as our modern Tuesday. One interesting aside before we continue to Wednesday is that while in English we use updated versions of the old Germanic names, in the Romance languages of the world such as French or Italian, the names of the days of the week still resemble the original Latin names very closely. For instance, in Italian, Monday is Lunedì from Dies Lunai. Tuesday is Martedì from Dies Martis, and so on and so forth. This just goes to further highlight how it was this era of names that has resulted in the names of the week of our modern world. The Latin name for Wednesday was Dies Mercuri. This meant a day of Mercury or Mercury's Day. Using the same concept as before, Mercury was identified with and interpreted with the Germanic god Woden. You may be more familiar with Woden using his modern Norse name of Odin. The interpretation of the Latin name became Woden's day. This became our modern Wednesday. If any of you are fans of Neil Gaiman's American Gods, then you were already aware that Wednesday belonged to Woden. In Latin, the day of the week known as Thursday was Dies Jovis. This meant Jupiter's day. The counterpart of Jupiter was the Germanic god Thunor, who you will likely be far more familiar with his marvelous Norse name, Thor. The name of the week came to be Thorners' day. In German and changed to Thursday over time, but it means Thursday. the last day of the typical work week is called Friday, and in astrology is often associated with the planet Venus. The Romans called the day Dies Venus or day of Venus. The German counterpart for Venus was the goddess Frigg in German, the day came to be known as Friggde or Frigg's Day. Naturally, this became Rebecca Black's favorite day of the week Friday. Saturday is actually the only day of the week that did not undergo the process of Interpretatio Germanica. The Roman name for Saturday was dies Saturni, or Saturn's day. The Germans and Romans were unable to agree on a German counterpart for Saturn. Therefore, the name was more directly translated into old German as Saturndag. Saturndag eventually transitioned to Saturday. As you probably can guess, Sunday was named after the sun. In modern Romance languages, the word for sun is Sol, and in Latin, the name for the day of the week was Dies Solis. The German translation for this day was Sonnendeg. In order, then, our days of the week are named after the moon, Tiwaz, Woden, Thor, Frigg, Saturn, and the sun. However, these names were themselves inspired by the moon, Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, Saturn, and the sun. Do you recognize the common themes of all these inspirations? Five are classical Roman deities that we are likely all familiar with, but the sun was also commonly worshipped, and the sun god Sol Invictus was even briefly made an official cult under the Roman emperor Aurelian. The personification of the moon was the goddess Luna. The names of the week then were all named after gods and goddesses, and traditionally those days were associated directly with those deities. However, there is one other important distinction that each of these share. All seven are celestial bodies. In the ancient world, and for certain people today, the study of the movements and relative positions of celestial objects was done for a means of divining information about human affairs. This study is commonly known as astrology. A modern holdover of this study is the horoscope, but each day of the week was associated with a celestial body That was in a particular position each week. So in astrology, Monday was ruled by the moon, Saturday by Saturn, and so on and so forth. The association between days of the week and celestial bodies long predates the Roman Empire. The association between days of the week and celestial bodies actually long predates the Roman Empire. As mentioned, the Romans initially used an eight-day week throughout the Republican period. This eight-day week was known as the Nundinal Cycle. The eighth day was known as the day, and was the market day. The other seven days were named as previously discussed. The Nundinal cycle remained the official week until the reign of Constantine the Great. He officially enshrined the seven-day week that was used by the Christians, but in effect was the same type of week with the special market day designation removed. While the eight-day week had remained in an official capacity, it had actually fallen out of common use centuries before. After the Roman conquest of Egypt under Augustus in 30 BCE, the province of Egypt naturally became one of the most important in the empire due to its economic prosperity. This conquest also allowed for Egyptian traditions to be introduced to the rest of the empire. The Egyptians had long used a seven-day week, and this became the standard for day-to-day Romans, but was not official until Constantine. However, the Egyptians were not the ones who created the seven-day week, as that honor belongs to the Babylonians. The city of Babylon was founded somewhere around or prior to the 23rd century BCE. At first, it was not an overly important city and did not have much impact on the Akkadian Empire or in the immediate power vacuum that came with its collapse. The Amorite Kingdom started its rise in 1894, and its sixth king moved the capital city to the small town of Babylon. This king was the famous Hammurabi, who is best known for the law code that bears his name. Hamaradi dedicated his reign to aggressive expansion and completed remarkable building projects in his new capital city that made Babylon one of, if not the, most powerful cities of the day. From then on, the kingdom was instead known as the Babylonian Empire. The power of the Babylonian Empire waxed and waned over the years, but remained an important city in the Mesopotamia region until the year 539 BCE. Mesopotamia is sometimes known as the cradle of civilization or as the birthplace of civilization, and this epithet speaks to how influential the area was on the entire history of human civilization that followed. While we could talk all day on the influence of the Babylonians, today we're going to only focus on one piece of their legacy. This piece is the studies of celestial bodies known as astronomy. The Babylonians were the first civilization to apply mathematics and scientific methods to the study of and for this reason, many of the later discoveries built on the achievements of the Babylonians. As an example, the old rectangular astrolabes date to the 1100s BCE and were found in Babylon, as well as several even older tablets that recorded movements of celestial bodies over several years and the length of daylight over a solar year. We have used days, weeks, months, and years for our entire lives, so it is easy to take them for granted. If you think about it, days, months, years... All of very specific and tangible things used to mark their measurements. A day is marked by the time it takes between sunrises. A month measures the phases of the moon. A year measures the rotation of the earth around the sun. But what about a week? Seven days, eight days, they both seem fairly arbitrary. Our modern calendar is based on thousands of years of traditions, but it was ancient peoples like the Babylonians who created that tradition. Our modern Gregorian calendar that is used by much of the Western world is based on the solar year, but many other countries also use a lunar calendar instead. The Babylonians developed a hybrid of sorts called a lunisolar calendar that used both the sun and the moon to calculate the length of a year. This allowed for calculation with the moon, but kept the seasons associated with the same months by calculating for the difference of the approximately 354 days in a lunar year with the 365.25 days of a solar year. In a typical year, the Babylonians used 12 months for each moon cycle, but would then have an intercalary month inserted by decree to account for those 11.25 day difference as needed. Each new month started with the new crescent moon. The period of time between one crescent moon to the next crescent moon is known as a syndotic month and takes approximately 29.53 days. This resulted in 6 months having 29 days and 6 months having 30 days. 30 days, though, is a long time, and the Babylonians wanted to be able to have one more time measurement to count between a day and a month. The exact reason for this want is mostly unknown, but we can make some assumptions and some guesses. For instance, market days and days of worship were needed on a recurring basis, so might as well create a series of time to measure how often those would occur. In this case, those events would occur on what we would now call a weekly basis. As months were either 29 or 30 days, it did not make sense to divide the time by one of those numbers as it would mess things up for half of the months of the year. Instead, it was much easier to divide by 28 days and then just add the necessary days at the end of the month as needed before starting over. Half of 28 is 14, which we do have fortnights, and there is evidence that fortnights were used by some measurements, but 14 days was also still too long. 28 divided by 3 is 9.33 repeating, so that just does not work. 28 divided by 4, though, is 7, and 7 just happened to be the perfect number for the Babylonians' purpose. Seven is also often considered a special number in many societies. For instance, the ancient Egyptians thought of the number seven as a god number, and for a time only the pharaoh could use the number seven. Plus it seems to have some mystical properties. Seven deadly sins, seven heavens, seven kings of Rome, and so on and so forth. So perhaps it was based on this nice tidy measurement, or perhaps it was based on wanting to honor the mystical number seven by having it be the length of a measurement. One alternate explanation for the seven-day week has to do with the phases of the moon. The process is generally broken into eight parts. Waxing crescent, first quarter, waxing gibbous, full moon, waning gibbous, third quarter, and waning crescent. The first quarter has half the moon lit up, the full moon has the full moon lit, the third quarter has the other half of the moon lit up, and then finishes the process. Each quarter is approximately 7.4 days, so each quarter is approximately a week. The Babylonians may have based the seven-day week on this lunar cycle. The truth is, is that we do not really know the exact reason behind the seven-day week. Once a seven-day week was established, the next step was to name each day of the week. The Babylonians had based their entire calendar from days to years on the sky, so naturally they wanted to name their days of the week after the most important pieces in that sky. If you are a stargazer or a fan of astronomy in any degree, then you know that the stars in the night sky stay roughly in the same spot each and every night. It is true that they move a little bit, but not too much, and not very quickly. This is why we can always count on the North Star to point the way north night after night, and why we can mostly find Orion's Belt pretty easily each and every night. If you spend as much time looking at the stars, attempting to discern their meaning, As the babylonians did then you will quickly recognize that there are a few celestial bodies that move much differently than the stars do the sun and the moon are the most obvious but less obvious are five objects that look a lot like stars but for a few months out of the year move in what we call retrograde motion these are the five planets that are visible from earth by the naked eye or with technology that would have been available to the ancient world today we call these five planets mars mercury jupiter venus and saturn you notice that these are the same five planets that were used by the romans to name their days of the week it was the babylonians who identified these five planets although they did not know they were planets as special along with the sun and the moon to honor these seven special celestial bodies the babylonians named them after their gods and then named their days of the week after the celestial bodies Beyond the couple of theories that I mentioned for where the seven-day week originated, there is one additional theory, and that is that since the Babylonians had found seven celestial bodies and associated each one with a single day of the week, the seven-day week just naturally followed as a way to honor these seven celestial bodies. The Greeks were another early civilization that was absolutely captivated by astronomy. The ancient Greeks built on the findings of the Babylonians. It is believed that the Greeks built their calendar, including the seven-day week, based on the Babylonian calendar. The ancient Greeks followed the practice of naming the days of the week after the celestial bodies, who in turn were named for Greek gods. Therefore, the Greeks interpreted the Babylonian gods to Greek counterparts and used those for their names of the days of the week. The Romans then copied the Greek calendar and used their own counterparts to name the days of the week. The Romans just added a special market day, which took them away from the seven-day week. So to recap, our names of the week were first developed through the Babylonian calendar, which was developed by their knowledge of astronomy. The Babylonian calendar and practice of naming their days of the week after the sun, moon, and five visible planets was passed on to the Greeks and Egyptians. The Greeks passed the names of the week to the Romans, who used the Roman counterparts instead of the Greek ones. The Germans then did the same thing from the Roman pantheon to the German one. So our modern English names are named after the Germanic deities who were the counterparts for the Roman pantheon and represented the sun, moon, and the five planets that had been identified during the classical period. And that does it for this week's episode. We got to cover over 2,000 years of history to discover why our names the weeks have the names that they do. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed researching it. If you did, I would really appreciate a rating in your favorite podcast app or at the very least you hitting that subscribe button so you can listen to the show every two weeks on Podcast Republic, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. The various social media accounts, email, and website can be found in the episode description. If you have any questions or would like to suggest a topic for a future episode, please let me know. Until next time, cheers.